Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. So let's come to the Word. We're continuing our series today entitled A Transformation of Life. This is our vision for our church for the year 2020. We are going to see a transformation of life in the high country. How many of you believe that this morning? Don't you believe God is just so good? He's got enough goodness to literally change the way life looks for every person in our community. Amen. I believe that God has that goodness. He's able to do that. So today we're going to continue in our series that we kicked off in relation to our Vision Sunday, we talked about how God is leading us into uh, leading us to see a transformation of life in our city and beyond. And then we asked the question, how does this vision play out in our church? And we said that it shows up in four distinct components. You'll see them up on your screen here in a moment, four distinct components, and that is that people know Jesus, that number 2 they get connected, That number three, they discover their purpose. And that number four, they make an impact. We believe that for you to be the person God's called you to be, first, you need to know Jesus. Secondly, you need to get connected to what he's doing in the local church. Third, you need to make, excuse me, third, you need to discover your purpose in God. And then fourth, you need to make an impact. We said that the first three involve you. They're all about you. And then the fourth one is about everybody else. You discover your purpose and you are positioned now to make an impact in people's lives. We also said that these four distinct components connect to four different distinct areas of our church. Number one, know Jesus connects to Sunday mornings. And we talked about that last week and it was really powerful and I got excited when I preached. Uh, And then the second one was get connected. That's what we're going to talk about today. And that has to do with uh, small groups is where that shows up in our church. Number three is discovering your purpose. And that has to do with next steps and the growth track that we've planned. And then the fourth one is making an impact. And that involves serving on one of our legacy teams. Now, as we go forward, these four components of our vision will shape life at High Country Christian Church and will help us to be effective in seeing a transformation of life in our city. Now, before I jump into getting connected today, I want to just share a word on culture. And when I say culture, I don't mean popular culture. I don't mean the culture of America or or the country that we live in or... uh, you know, popular stuff. I'm not talking about that. I want to address culture as a concept for just a second. As we work our way through these points of vision, what we're doing is setting the culture for our church. We're building into our vocabulary and our actions the culture that is going to bring to pass our vision. Because a vision is only as good as the culture which supports it. Vision is only as good as the culture that supports it. Like one of my preacher friends says, culture eats vision for breakfast. Culture eats vision for breakfast. Some months ago, I was having a conversation with my pastor, Pastor Jonathan Del Turco, and we were talking, and 
he said, we were talking about this issue of vision, and he said, you know, he said, you could have the greatest vision in the world, and if your culture, the culture of your people, and the culture of the people in your community uh, is not capable of holding that vision up, it will fail. And he said it, he was, he was wanting to make his point, and so he said it this way, he said, Jesus himself could show up one night in your bedroom with a heavenly sheet of paper, a scroll, and on that scroll could be written the perfect vision that God has for High Country Christian Church. And he says, if you don't have the culture to support the vision, the vision will fall flat. I thought, wow, that's really intense, but it's really true. Think about this. I had an example come up in my life of this this week uh, because, like all of you, I was at Chick-fil-A one of the days this week, and uh, I know that you've been to Chick-fil-A this week because every time I drive by that building, there's a line wrapped around the building no matter what time of day or night, and Watauga County's only got so many people, so one of y'all, all of y'all had to be in that line at some point this week, but I went through to get some lunch and did the usual routine and go through, tell them what you want. You, you, you know, they, they tell you what the total is going to be. You drive around to the window, and, and you know exactly what's coming. You pay them. They give you your food. You say thank you. They say, my pleasure. As soon as the lady handed me, the little high school girl, handed me my food, and I said thank you, she said, my pleasure, it hit me. What is that but culture? That is Culture. It's so ingrained in their thinking and in, and in what they do that years later, I was having a, a conversation with a friend of mine about this, years later, a person who has worked at Chick-fil-A will be obvious in an interview uh, for a job because of the fact that every time somebody says thank you, their knee-jerk reaction is to say, my pleasure. What is that? That's culture. Let me ask you this, this question. Do you think it's always their pleasure? <laughs> Do you think? I mean, that little girl that handed me my drink, was she really thinking, God, I really hope he enjoys this drink? <laughs> no, of course not. She's thinking about what she's going to, she's thinking about who she's going to ask to homecoming or who she's going to go to prom with or what she's going to do when she gets off of her shift and, and how so-and-so has been talking to this boy and that thing. And, you know, just she's thinking about all kinds of stuff apart from my drink. But it's her pleasure because it's her culture. Culture, their culture specifically at Chick-fil-A, their culture allows them to stay consistent with their vision. So that even if, you know, even, even if it gets difficult, they've been so cultured to respond a certain way that no matter what's happening in their world, the vision can still march on as it needs to because the culture supports it. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. We don't rise to the level of our vision. We fall to the level of our culture. We don't rise to the level of our vision. We fall to the level of our culture. So our culture has to be functioning at the level of our vision or we'll come up short. I love the Chick-fil-A analogy. As a matter of fact, Truett Cathy, who started Chick-fil-A, I think he died two years ago now, two and a half, three years ago. I have to imagine that when he got to heaven, he saw Jesus because he was a God-fearing man. And the Lord looked at him and said, Truett, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he said, my pleasure. I have to believe, I have to believe that it happened. Amen. You can turn 
to Ephesians. If I didn't already tell you to do that, you can turn to Ephesians. Does that make sense about culture? I want to reiterate that as much as I can as we go through this series because it's so important. Now, I've got a little over 30 minutes this morning, and I'm going to try to say a lot in that 30 minutes, so I ask you to just buckle up and, and, uh, and let's go together. Today, we're talking and walking through what it means to be connected to the local church. Now, specifically, we're talking about our local church because we believe that y'all are called to be part of our local church. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here this morning. But we're going to walk through what it means to get connected to the local church. And connection to God begins with your relationship to him, and it continues with your relationship to his church. Let me reiterate that. Connection to God begins with your relationship to him and continues with your relationship to his church. It's very important that we keep those two things in their proper place. That we don't try to have church without a relationship to God. And that we don't favor our relationship with God over our connection to church. Do you understand what I'm saying in an unhealthy way? I've met people who get in the ditch on either side of the road when it comes to this concept. Well, brother, they just go to church and pound their way through church because it's become to them a religious duty and there's no life in their service. There's no life in their devotion they're really not devoted to Christ. They're devoted to showing up to church on Sunday. And, and, and as, as nice as that can look on the outside, it can actually be problematic if our hearts are not connected to Jesus. That's where people get frustrated. They get irritated. They get burned out. They have problems. So it's very important that we keep these two things in their proper place. Connection to God begins with your relationship to him and continues with your relationship to his church. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. It says, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Verse 22, he's talking about the church. And verse 23, he gets to this point where he says, the church is literally Christ's body. And it's the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation. It says, and the church is Christ's body, and it is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Isn't that awesome? So you see, when you connect to church, you're not just connecting to an isolated thing here. We're not just talking about one, you know, one little church body tucked away into the corner of a community somewhere. We're talking about something so massive that it spreads out over human history. It started in the book of Acts, and it's going to continue all the way until Jesus comes back. It's the church. It is the body of Christ. And it was his idea. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. But it was his idea. Church was God's idea for how his family was to be connected. And it's up to him to develop it as he sees fit. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he says these words, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church. It's not Josh and Brianne's church. 
It's not the church that belongs to a denomination. It's not owned by anybody except the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, we, we get to take ownership in how it, it functions by us being here and being a part of it. We get, to, we get to buy in to God's greater vision for the church. But at the end of the day, it doesn't belong to you and it doesn't belong to me. It's his. Amen. Jesus is building his church. Now, let me ask you a question. How? How is Jesus building his church? He's doing it by building us and fashioning us together with one another. He's doing it by building, he's doing it by building us and by fashioning us together with one another. My main scripture and the main point that I want to drive from today's message comes from Ephesians chapter 4. So I'm going to ask you to turn over to Ephesians 4 verse 16. And this is one of those lengthy Paul verses that's almost hard to understand just by reading it. Have you ever been reading through one of Paul's letters and he just packs so much into a single verse that you're like, I'm lost. I don't even know what you're saying anymore, Paul. This is one of those. But with some help from the Holy Spirit and a little bit of elbow grease, we're going to decode what he says in this message, in this verse. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 16, and it says, From whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You can read that and feel like you're reading a, you know, legalese paperwork. It's just, there's just a lot there. But here's the phrase I want you to pay attention to. From whom the whole body, right here, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Let's pay attention to that phrase for a few moments. This is God's method for building his church. This is God's method for building his church. One of the primary ways that the body of Christ is held together is that it's held together by us connecting to each other in relationship. Now, I need my wife and my daughter to come up here for just a moment to be the example. Actually, why not Shiloh, why don't you come up here? Brianne's got a lot of things in her lap. Claire and Shiloh, come on up here. I want you guys to stand right here and turn and face the audience, okay? Now, you guys are buddies. You're friends. You're about the same height. Well, Shiloh's a little bit taller, but here's what I want you to do. I mean, I want you to lock arms. You know how to lock arms? There you go. Good job. This, this phrase, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, is talking about relationships. And I think it's very interesting that, that Paul says here that the whole body is joined and is knit together by what every joint supplies. So let's ask this question, and I don't mean to be funny, but it's kind of funny. What's a joint in this context? In this context. Yeah, some of you. It took you a second there, a couple of you. Some of, you, some of you had to go way back into your history to get that one out. Well, no, what, in this verse, what's a joint? What is he talking about? He's talking about a place where two parts of the body come together in relationship. Now, each one of these girls is a person, and they each have gifts and callings and talents and things that God has put on the inside of them, and it's when they come together in relationship that both of these gifts and callings and all the parts of who they are begin to work together, and it's in the working together of the two of them coming together that the body literally is held together. 
One of the primary things that holds the church together is the church being connected. And look what it says. It's held together by what every joint, or we could say relationship, supplies. So when these two girls come together, when you come together with someone else in our church, when we connect the way we're called to be connected, it creates a supply. And that supply is what holds the whole body of Christ together. Now it's beautiful to see it visually here because what happens when we break the chain? What happens when when something gets in the middle of the relationship and starts to drive people apart? Well, I can tell you one thing for sure. Number one, it's messy. How many of you have ever been like Hulk Hogan and you just ripped a t-shirt? No? Okay, well. I I was hoping for at least a couple guys to be like, yeah, I did that back when I was, you know, in in sixth grade. Okay, well, you've seen Hulk Hogan rip a shirt apart before, haven't you? I can't believe nobody in here has ever ripped fabric. My goodness. Yes, I have many times. Okay. You rip a shirt apart, what happens? The fabric starts to fray. It doesn't cut neatly. It doesn't cut in a straight line. There's not order to it. When something's ripped apart, it creates injury. It creates mess. It gets problematic. This is why when people, can I just be honest with you as a pastor for just a moment? When people leave our church, it hurts us. It hurts us. Because we pour our life into establishing these connections. We've given up everything we know to come in and see the body of Christ come together. So when, it, when we leave, it hurts because it's tearing apart. And we know that the enemy lives to be divisive and to divide people and to get between these relationships and try to push them apart. But praise God, we're growing together. And as we grow and we mature The enemy doesn't have access the way that he used to. Amen? Thank you, girls. You can be seated. Let's give them a hand today. They did a good job. Amen. So one of the primary ways that the body of Christ is held together is by relationships. Now look at these two words, joined and knit. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. The words joined and knit, these Greek words, give us insight into how specific and how intentional God is about connecting, about us connecting with one another. The word joined in the Greek means a custom fit. Custom fit. Anybody ever gotten anything custom made before? There's only one of its kind, right? You're the only you that exists. Amen. You're the only one of your kind that exists. And God has so specifically customized you to be connected in a specific way to a local body. And it's only in being connected there that you begin to find your place and you begin to express the gifts and the callings and the talents that God put on the inside of you. Joined means a custom fit. I I couldn't take the index finger off my my wife's right hand and put it on my right hand. It wouldn't fit because it's not custom made to be on my hand. It's custom made to be on her hand. You see that? So the word joined means a custom fit. The word knit is the word which means to coalesce and to unite. To coalesce and to unite. Stick with me for this. 
Each piece of the body of Christ is so specifically designed to fit together that when we are together, it glorifies God who is the master designer. When we are all in the place that we are custom fit to be, you stop seeing the individual pieces and you're actually able to see the whole design which gives God the glory because he's the designer. A word on this, if you don't mind. People ask me all the time about, or I've had people ask me through the years, about the criteria for coming to a church. What happens when you connect to a church, and what should that look like? And I always tell them all the time, it really doesn't matter what you think about it. When people think about where should I go to church, and what, what, you know, what, uh, most people think about church for the wrong reasons. They think about the, the amenities. Not so many amens on that one, but that's okay. A lot of people, they think about the amenities. Well, what, what will the church offer me? And very few of us ever take the time to ask God where he has custom fit us to be. Yeah. If I can just be real honest about it. You see, each piece is designed, and when it's put together in its custom place, it functions exactly the way it was designed to function, and it, we actually start to lose sight of the individual piece, and we actually step back, and we can see the whole design, and, and when we do that, we give God the glory for it. Amen. Each piece, when it's put together exactly the way it was designed, it begins to function the way it was created to function. The purpose of your design shows up when you're in the right place. <laughs> Y'all with me this morning? Yeah, amen. Your purpose begins to show up when you're in the place that you're designed to be in. You could say it this way. Function follows order. Function follows order. Think about the example of a car. It has a lot of unique parts. If you got a, if you got a 78 Corvette, you can't put a muffler from a 2006 Mazda on a 78 Corvette. Why? Because it's not designed to go there. The design and the fit are incredibly important. And here's the deal. The function of that muffler only works when it's in its right place. Well, it's a muffler. It'll muffle. <laughs> but it'll only muffle when it's on the right car when it's on the spot that it was uniquely designed to be on. You can't take that Mazda muffler and put it on the Corvette. It just ain't going to muffle. Amen. It's not going to work. Your gifting, your calling, your legacy in God only shows up and when you're in the place that you're called to be, when you're connected to that custom fit. I want to read this verse again to you from the voice translation. I just want you to listen to this. Knowing what we know, learning what we've learned about these two Greek words. Watch this. Speaking of Jesus here, it says, He, hold, he joins and holds together the whole body with its ligaments. Those are the relationships we talked about. Providing the support needed so each part works to its proper design to form a healthy, growing, and mature body that builds itself up in love. Isn't that amazing? 
When you and I are connected the way we're called to be connected, God is able to do incredible things. So, how does this play out into our lives at HCCC? Well, we get connected through small groups. I said that at the beginning. Our primary form of connection is small groups. Of course, we'll always have Sunday morning service, and we invite you and expect you to come to Sunday service. But beyond that, this model of small groups is actually the model that we see demonstrated in the book of Acts. You can go in the book of Acts, chapter 2. We won't go there for the sake of time. But you can go to the end of the book of Acts, or excuse me, to the end of chapter 2 of the book of Acts, right about verse 40, 41, 42, and 43. And you'll find out that this scripture says they met daily in houses, that they connected with each other outside of just the daily hours of prayer in the temple. They still went to the temple every week, but it was beyond the temple when they were in each other's homes that they really began to get connected. So small groups is the biblical model that we see demonstrated in the book of Acts. The church was meeting corporately together on a regular basis, but that was only the beginning of their connection. Real, significant transformation of life happens in the context of small, intimate fellowship. I'm going to read that again for you. Real, significant transformation of life happens in the context of small, intimate fellowship. That's where life really happens. Amen? That's where life really happens. If you want to be stable as a Christian, come to church on Sunday. See, there's still no avoiding coming to church on Sunday. We're not going to swap one for the other. That's what I was saying at the beginning. We're not going to swap one for the other. If you want to be stable as a Christian, come to church on Sundays. If you really want to grow, come to church and go to a small group. If you want to be stable and just have your life stable, come to church. If you want to go beyond the stability and really begin to grow and function as God's called you to, come to church and go to small groups. Small groups provide us with three amazing things. Number one, small groups. And If you're taking notes, you will want to write these down. Number one, small groups are a place for us to connect to each other. We've talked a lot about connection this morning, so I won't drill down any more into that. But number one, small groups are a place to connect with each other. Number two, and this is very, very, very important. Number two, small groups are a place to protect each other. Protect each other. Go beyond just the connection, and now we actually get invested in each other's lives, and we're looking for each other's well-being. Small groups are the only kind of context where we really get to drill down into who we are as people and the people that God's called us to be and really start to make connections and start to love each other in a way that's protective. I want to talk about that a little bit more, but let me give you number three, and then I'll come back. Number three is that small groups are a place to grow together. So number one, small groups are a place to connect Small groups are a place to protect. Small groups are a place to grow. Now let me come back to this, and I want to kind of take the last 10 or 12 minutes to land the plane here. Small groups are a place for us to protect each other. Small groups give us 
the right environment for us to become vulnerable. Everybody say vulnerable. Oh, didn't you just feel it get uncomfortable? (laughs) Vulnerable. Nobody wants to be vulnerable anymore, do we? But see, small groups actually put us in the right frame of mind and in the right frame of heart. They create the right environment for us to become vulnerable. And when we become vulnerable with one another, something very interesting happens. We start to get healed. Amen. Come on, that's good news. When we become vulnerable with each other, we start to get healed, don't we? When we're not vulnerable and we're unwilling to get real with each other, then those places in our lives that need healing never get exposed. And so they might heal over time, but they don't heal properly. I want to say that one more time so that you really get it. And so that you have a chance to really sink your teeth into it. When we're not vulnerable with one another, when we avoid the opportunity to get to take our mask off, as my friend Hal says, he says small groups is where people take their mask off. You really start to see who the real person is. Because we're super good at coming to church on Sunday with a really well done mask. Man, I've been touching up the paint on my mask all week. I've been really oiling things up, and then my suit of armor looks really beautiful. And here I am to show off to you how great I am. But you know what? Nothing penetrates that. It's only when we get beyond that veneer and we get into a place of intimacy and closeness and proximity with one another that we get comfortable enough to take the mask off, take the suit of armor off, and show you who we really are. Amen. Listen, it's not comfortable, but growth is never comfortable. That's why they call them growing pains. Amen. Growth's not comfortable, but it's necessary. And here's the deal. If we are unwilling to get real with each other and get to that level of vulnerability, then the places in our lives that need healing never get exposed. And so they might heal over time, but they don't heal properly. It's like the person who breaks their leg, but they never put the leg in the cast. And so it healed over time, but now you walk the rest of your life with a limp. Because it didn't heal the way it was supposed to, because it wasn't dealt with the way that it was supposed to. Because you, you like you know, you're like the puppy dog that gets hurt, and you try to pick it up, and it bites you. Right? Anybody ever have that happen? Every, somebody, somebody tries to get close enough to help, and instead of letting them help, you bite back. And what happens is the wound, it heals kind of over time, but it doesn't ever heal properly. So you broke your leg, and now you got to hobble through life. And now here's what happens. The rest of your body has to compensate for the lack of healing in your leg. And this, is happening, this happens in church all the time. We don't tell the right people the right things. We don't open up. We don't get vulnerable. We never get healed. And the rest of the church has to walk on eggshells around our inability to get healed. Wow. It hurts to hear it, but it's true. And, 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 and if we're going to do the job that we're called to do, to lead and to help bring relationships together, we've got to address this point we got to address it. 
And that's vulnerability. I don't want you to walk with a limp for the rest of your life. Amen. We often, listen to this, we often want to hide our hurts from all the right people and broadcast our hurts to all the wrong people. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, help us. We often want to hide our hurts from the right people and broadcast them to all the wrong people. The people that can actually help us, we want to hide from. The people that aren't going to do anything good for us and are actually going to irritate the hurt more are the people we go to. Ay, ay, ay. We get in a fight with our wife, and then rather than dealing with it the right way, we blab about it on Facebook. Rather than, listen, we get in a fight with our spouse, something's wrong going on, you know, something's having a problem, or, or something's going on in our home where our kids aren't doing what they're supposed to do, or they're falling behind, or there's an issue at home, and rather than go to our pastor or go to the people in our small group, rather than go to the ones we trust that have our best interest in mind, we find a friend and we start the gossip. <sighs> Am I lying? No, it's true. We hide our hurt from the people who can help us. And we often broadcast it to the people they're not interested in helping us. This is why gossip is such a problem. We're going to talk about gossip later on in the year. It's one of the reasons it's such a problem. It doesn't perpetuate healing. It perpetuates the illness. Don't walk with a limp for the rest of your life. Don't let the wound go untreated. Get vulnerable with your church family. Get vulnerable with the leaders that God's put in your life. Find the people in our church that you can connect with. Build those relationships with. Get vulnerable together and let God begin to heal you in the places you need to be healed so that you don't have to walk with a limp for the rest of your life. Now, this doesn't discount the validity of miracles. God's best for our lives. Listen, I I, I believe tremendously in miracles. I believe God saves, delivers, heals, restores. He can raise the dead, heal cancer. He can fix 25 years of bad marriage. He can fix all of it in an instant in his presence. And that's awesome. And we need to contend for that, and we expect that to happen. I believe God can do miracles and wonders and signs in your life that can fix decades of the enemy beating you up. I believe the, heal, the, the hurt can get healed like that, but here's the deal. God's best is not for us to have to constantly be receiving miracles, but to be the ones constantly pouring miracles out of us, and that only happens when you're healed when you've been healed correctly, when you allowed God to come through the people in your church and through those who you trust in the body of Christ, when God is able to come and set that leg back in place and put you in the right spiritual cast and you're able to recover and be totally healed, now you're in a position to heal others. That's God's best. God fed the children of Israel in the wilderness every single day, miraculously, with manna, with quail, with water out of a rock. He did everything he needed to do to sustain them. But when they got to the promised land, he said, this is my best. Start growing food for yourself. Right? 
Start growing food for yourself. God's best is that we get healed and stay healed. And that happens through vulnerability. Now, finally, I'm closing with this. Small groups are a place for us to grow together. One of the benefits of being around ministry my whole life is that I've gotten to watch the growth of people around me happen slowly over time. I'll never forget my friend Bob in Florida. He and his wife came to our church when we were still a church plant down there. My parents were pastoring, and um, Brianne and I were newly married, and we were uh, just enjoying life, kid-free, and, you know, <laughs> we had zero responsibility. It was great. It's so funny, man. We were in our church, and this married couple came, and Bob was the husband, and, and the, 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 what happens a lot of times with, with marriages that are in challenge and in struggle, the wife comes to church by herself. She just loves Jesus, and she says, I'm coming to church. And Bob, he didn't like to come to church so much. And so he stayed home, and we would see him very rarely. And his wife was so faithful. She was so consistent. She was so bought in to seeing her husband get healthy and get healed that she was very consistent. And finally, she was able to get him to come. We had a visitor Sunday, one Sunday, and he came, and he got to meet the church family and the people there, and we, you know, had some snacks, and we got to talk, and, and it was after that Sunday that Bob started to show up more regularly. He started to attend, and he, he started to get interested in the things of God. He, he, at first, when we first met him, he couldn't have any time for the things of God, but once he started to come a little bit, he started to get more and more invested, and the most amazing thing happened as he got invested in Sunday services and in small groups, I got the chance to have a first row seat, a front row seat in watching this guy's life turn. It was the most satisfying thing I had ever experienced in my life. And at that point in my life, I'd seen some crazy miracles. I'd been in multiple other countries. I have watched blind eyes open. I've laid hands on people and immediately watched them get healed. It was wild. I'd seen some amazing things. But there was something satisfying about watching Bob's life slowly begin to be turned by the word of God. That the more he connected and the more faithful that he was to stay dialed in to what God was leading for him and his wife to walk in, their marriage got healthier, they got stronger, he began to become just a, a, a treasure of scriptural insight. He began to read his Bible meticulously. And, he, and, 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 and a guy that you thought would never love Jesus over the course of a year, two years, began his life slowly turned. It didn't happen in an instant, but it happened. It happened because he was vulnerable. It happened because he took, the, he took the chance to get connected. And it was as he got connected, God began to move in this man's life and slowly turned him to the point that he became a vital member of the church. Serving, giving, pouring out, using his gifts, using his talents. And he began to be fulfilled. And you know what? That custom fit 
that he was slid right into its place. And we stood back and said, to God be the glory. Look at this perfect design. It happened because he took a chance. He got vulnerable. He got open. He got connected. And God began to move in his life in ways he wouldn't have been able to do had he not opened his heart. I believe Bob's story is not a one-time event. It's not a one and done. God's good enough to do that for Bob. He's good enough to do it for you. He's good enough to do it for your family member. He's good enough to do it for your neighbor, your cousin, your coworker. We talked last week about church being a place where people can come and discover Jesus and know him for real. It can be that way for you and for everybody you're connected to. That family member you've been praying for for years, they can know Jesus. They can get connected too. That coworker that you've been that you've been laboring over in prayer that you would love to see them get saved. I believe it's the time for us to lean into those relationships and see those people start to get connected. But it's going to take us getting connected first. Let's take small groups seriously. They're going to be coming here again in in just a couple weeks. We'll be launching off into new small groups. We want to see you get connected. We want to see you get dialed in. We want to see you become the person God's created you to be. And it's amazing how we draw together and our relationships and the fabric of our church gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And it's because God's doing what he's always wanted to do in our lives. Do you believe that this morning? Would you stand up to your feet with me this morning? We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.